light is this thing on? Are you ready? Well then, let's get started, everybody. Hey, my name is Derek, and I am the owner, creator, and head silicone slinger here at Amabiti, where we make silicone toys for adults. So, um, today we're going to have a little bit different format because we have uh, some guests on today who are not in my part of the world. We've got uh, Twilight Meadow Creations, and they are based in Sweden, so we're doing a pre-recorded session. We gathered some questions from the audience earlier, so we'll have uh, some things in there that we can answer, and um, yeah, this is going to be a little bit different. I'm not entirely sure how uh, we're going to release this. I think we might do a uh, premiere on YouTube so that... It will uh, have a chance for people to watch it live with us. And uh, yeah, I think that'll be an interesting way of doing it. But before we get started, um, did you notice at the beginning there, there was a little splash screen for Patreon? Yeah, so there's a Patreon out there for us. If you like what we do, then uh, eh, maybe go check it out. Uh, no pressure, no expectation, just uh, a way for everybody to help out if they like what we do. So with that, I am going to bring on Twilight Meadow Creations. I've got B and Cade, and let me see if I can make this work. Well, there you are. B, Cade, how are you doing? Hey. Hi, we're good. Good. And it's, it's, it's fun to be on. Well, great. I'm glad that you uh, agreed to do this with me because, again, you guys are in Sweden. So, you know, the time zone difference is, is considerable, which is why we have to do uh, the pre-recorded session. But, uh, you know, I realize I'm kind of biting into your Sunday night. <laughs> That's completely fine. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, uh, why don't you take a second and uh, introduce yourselves. Um, and then, so, B on my left i think it is uh with yeah. the hat and then we have yeah. Cade on the right so uh tell me just real quick uh give me like the the 30 second thumbnail sketch of what twilight meadow creations is and what you wanted it to be um twilight meadow creations is kind of my my passion project that i started from my kitchen a little over three years ago um, and I am a queer artist with a background in erotic art. So I just kind of took like the 2D and made it like into 3D. Um, and I've kind of been doing this ever since. It, it, it went from like a kind of a hobby to actually my, uh, it's it's my job now. It's my, my main income. So Good. that's pretty exciting. And, and Kate is my partner. Um, who will hopefully be joining uh be joining me um full time good um in the end of this year we just gotta get like immigration stuff sorted um because it's it's kind of a lot but uh hopefully it's gonna gonna end up being a being a two uh two person team awesome yeah um i went back through um your history a little bit on Twitter and um, I have been amazed at the the products that you guys have put together and I think that's something that you should be really proud of 
And speaking of something you should be proud of, um, you got a nomination in the 2022 Alt Porn Awards. Yeah, I did. I did. I got nominated for Ambrose, um, who actually I won another award for. There was uh, the Basoli Awards um, that I won. Like I won Best Horror Toy. So I got a I got a neat a neat trophy in the mail, which is it's huge. It's it's huge, and um, oh, that's awesome. A little, a little yeah. UFO inside. And yeah. I don't know if you can see the text, but it says uh, "best horror toy." So that was that was really unexpected. And congratulations! And really, really Thank you so much. Yeah. And on the uh, Alt Star, I'm sorry, uh, the Alt Porn Awards, uh, that was the best sex toy sculpt nominee. Uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, just to be nominated is kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. It feels it feels really good because I I really don't think there's any other awards that kind of pay attention to indies really. So. Yeah. Um, I'm just really glad uh, that it exists and it it, um, it gives in this kind of an equal chance because you have like the, the fan favorites, um, which I don't know how 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 they do it, but I think it's the the ones that get like the most votes mm -hmm. in the competition. So winning that felt uh, I I won it last year also, which felt really good so i had i had two <laughs> awards and one nomination oh wow so, that is yeah. that is freaking awesome um, yeah it's it feels really cool because i have like two like these two like big uh glass cultures and and it, i can just look at them and be like wow i i, I did this you know uh-huh and i think so, it's, that feels really good yeah and it's a um, I mean, you you are based in Sweden, so this is an, an international community, and yeah. to be recognized, you know, around the world is is something. But that made me uh, wonder something: how how are things different in Sweden or the EU um, compared to maybe the United States or other parts of the world? Um, I would say that Sweden. Uh... I actually get most of my customers from the US. I would okay. say that maybe like like 70, like 80% of my customers is from the US. So it means that I do a lot of exporting. Um, and then I think that maybe um, like 10, 15% is, is Sweden. And then like the remaining is, is Europe pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, but there are very few makers uh in sweden i know of myself and one other i'm not sure if they're a small team or if it's just one guy but they make kind of more um like functional toys and i think they're um they're, i think they're much uh firmer as well and they're just just one color so it's like no no artisanal like marbling and stuff like that it's it's reminds me more of like tantus Right. like their kind of stuff mm -hmm. um so that's kind of what how the market is it's it's pretty bare which means that i i i pretty much have the upper hand because there's this <laughs> pretty much no competition yeah um yeah so, so um 
you know, describe your aesthetic a little bit for us, because, you know, you just mentioned that the, the other folks who are kind of in your part of the world are doing more functional or maybe even abstract designs as opposed yeah. to uh, fantasy or anything else. How do you describe what you do? Um, I, I do things that are inspired from um, themes and, uh, and, and like, like themes and, and aesthetical themes that I personally like, which uh, I, I think is kind of the way to do it because then you kind of have, you kind of have a passion for it to begin with because I've right. like always been drawn to like, um, like Nordic, like mythology and I've always like been a really big nature person, so it kind of was just natural that I um, that I would make stuff that are inspired by nature and by by you know mythology. So that's that's kind of where it came from because it always it also ties together um, with art I used to draw before I was doing this. So so it's kind of almost a continuation of that that theme. Your culture, yeah, it's my culture. <laughs> sounds sounds silly, but. Um, I mean, you're. I guess you're kind of. You're kind of drawn to like I'm. I'm kind of drawn to what's like what's in my like vicinity, um, and I've all like I've. I grew up, um, and I I had like you know forests nearby and stuff, and mm-hmm. I I live, uh, I live in a very rural spot right now too. So it's, yeah. I, I, I hope that's a answer. Well, it's interesting that you say, you know, you kind of draw from your culture and from what's around you. And something I just realized as you were talking about that is that my dad was a graphic artist and he did a lot of um, very, some was kind of like op art uh, or optical illusion art, um, but it was very structured and it was very... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to use the word simple, but refined. And yeah. I realized that that's that's how I describe my work, which is that it's very, it's it's representational without being realistic. And mm-hmm. they are designs that are abstract, but still retain the the intention or the function of what we're yeah. what we're actually trying to do. Uh, I hadn't realized that I was actually drawing from my dad's artwork all this time. Interesting idea. Um, yeah. Now, the the Ambrose, where did that come from? That is actually a... Um, it's an, a myth, uh, or it's a mythological creature from, from the Orkney Islands, um, which kind of draws inspiration from, like, two of my favorite kind of um, um, mythologies, which is both Celtic and Norse. It's kind of a, a, a mix of those. And basically it's, uh, it's a, um, a, a demon horse with a rider who comes up from the sea and basically brings pestilence and, <laughs> and death and stuff. Um, because, <laughs> okay. uh, I was doing a Halloween event, um, with with some colleagues and i'm like hey i've had this idea for a while so why not um why not make it that reality so that's that's kind of how that came to be so it's 
it's also inspired by um one of my my favorite um i don't know if i want to say franchises but I would like one of my favorite um game studios <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah I, I do take inspiration from 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 games to and, and pop culture but maybe not maybe it's kind of more subtle <laughs> right now um now the ambrose is more of a a maw um yeah design but on your website i also saw that you do grinders which is a a totally different kind of category um how do you how did you make that transition or is that an extension of what you like and do tell me about those um i've actually wanted to make grinders for a long time because when i started this um i really wanted to make um gender affirming products for for trans people because it was actually born from me being like there are very few options for me here as a trans man to like buy um like gender affirming products so i thought i would i would start making it for myself um and maybe for my friends and i'm like well i'm just gonna practice with dildos first and then I, I just you know I, I continued making that because I had so much fun with it um but uh our newest grinder Rido is an idea I had since I started it's been around for three years um and it's basically just like evolve with a um a cavity for a vibrator which is something I haven't seen before and I'm like I I I really want to make this I have sketches that are like three years old of this model but I I I did not have the knowledge to make those kinds of molds and I wasn't sure how the market would receive it um so I kind of waited a bit and I feel like the market is like it's really ready for those kind of products now so it was kind of a uh, um I kind of waited to release it because I also wanted it to be more refined Um, and I wasn't sure how to make it because I started with, I started making like clay sculpts and um, I wasn't sure how to make that out of clay. So yeah, that's, that's how it came to be. Okay. And so the... um, You've got the new release, the new grinder. um, And Mm -hmm. did you say it was Rido? Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Okay, right. Yeah. Um, and we also talked about another new release that you've got coming up. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's um, it's actually uh, a model that I bought, I outsourced from a, another sculptor, and that's the first time I've done that. So that's that's um, that's that's really fun too, because uh, usually I I've sculpted everything myself. Um, but I saw this and I'm like, holy shit, I have to buy this right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I literally just DM them like, like, hi, is this for sale? I cannot buy it. Right. Um, and it's, it's a hoof. I have, I have two, uh, prototypes, okay. um, and they are printed, um, on an FDM printer. So they're like, they're just, uh, to show um to show the sizing pretty much i don't know okay interesting yeah so i added um i added some some little little bracelet thingies 
um, on my own. So this is gonna be our our next release. It's pretty exciting. I got yeah. I got two sizes, um, which will hopefully uh, be good for uh, both um, or both types of genitals. Right. And do you have a projected release date on? I think we're calling that the keeper's hoof. Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have a projected release um, date on that one? Um, not really. I am aiming towards uh, late July or August, but I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with production because <laughs> sometimes, you know, a molds fail or a print fails or, you know, printers something. Are evil. Printers are evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have to like, remake, remake the whole thing. And I will also um, be on my own because Kate will be going back to the US, which means um, I'm going to have less help around here. So <laughs> might might take a bit longer. We'll see. But I, I aim to have it out at the end of summer. Okay. And what about the Rido? Is that out yet? Or is that... It's, uh... it's, it's out. And I, I have one here too. Um, probably the oh, color okay. might not be the best for... Uh, for showing off but uh it's it's about three and a half inches and you have the little little slot here right for the bullet vibe yeah so awesome. that's what that looked like yeah um i actually uh remade it because there, there's a part in here which is kind of thin between like the the vibe mm. slot so I've been like obsessing over it, like, oh no, it's going to break, oh no. Uh, so I made an, a new version, which I printed actually today, that okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to release pretty soon as well. So I will not have to worry about like, oh no, what if it's what if it's too thin? Right. Well, um, I was curious. I we all have our own kind of development process and mm -hmm. we each kind of take our, our cues from the, the, the way that we each work. And I'm always curious about how folks go from their, their ideas to maybe sketching and then 3d modeling or hand sculpting. What does your process look like? Um, sometimes well, it depends. Sometimes I will have like, several sketches um and then I, I go from there to sculpting and uh but most of the time i will have kind of a vague a vague idea or a concept in my head and i just start up zbrush and then i just go from there without gotcha without any without any pictures or anything um, and does that usually come from you know there's the form versus function argument which is you know where do you start is it the form or, and then develop into the function, or do you start with the function and then develop into the form? Uh, I think it's, I think it's both, because I, <laughs> I, I tend to have, I tend to have the function in mind for like the basic shape, and then it kind of develops like from from there. And I try to think about like, like anatomy and how things will work inside someone's body hopefully um like with the rido i kind of try to make like different zones so you have like in here it's like where you will have like most vibrations and then out here will be less so i try to think about like 
how can I create a toy, um, not necessarily multiple uses, but that can work for more than just one body, sort of. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So um, I usually. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I usually try to think about like what kind of texture I want because I have toys with like some toys I have have a lot of texture. Some some toys are really smooth um, because I know that different people have different um, you know preferences in what they like and. That's also why I offer um, surprise customs in, in pretty much every firmness because I don't really have a lot of firm and extra soft toys in drops because they tend to not sell as well. Um, but I know that there might be someone who's looking for a particular you know, model and size in a particular firmness that I might not draw. Um, and that's also kind of why I want to cater to uh, people's, you know, preferences right okay um so you kind of start with a concept of yeah maybe um a, a combination of form and function and then you pull up zbrush and so you're doing 3d modeling um and then i guess you're doing uh, 3d prints from the yeah from that and then from there, it's just, you know, finishing and, and I say just, <laughs> it's just a matter of finishing it and making your molds from there. Um, but uh, what about resin printers? Have you looked into or have you experimented with resin printers? I, I, I have a resin printer. Um, so the hoofs I showed off, I showed off um, Usually what I'll do is I'll print, I'll print them on a very uh, fast, um, like draft setting. So I can just get like a, a size, like some, some, some sizing options out like fast. So I know what to commit to in the resin printing process, because uh, the resin I use is very, very expensive. So I would rather have everything like dialed in and perfect before I commit to that, like, like big print. Um, but I, I do, I, I actually started with a resin printer, like that was the first thing I bought, um, after I, I realized that I want to have different sizes, but I cannot sculpt different sizes because that's too hard for me. <laughs> so I, I invested in a, uh, in a Formlabs printer, which they're mm -hmm. super pricey, but they are yeah. so good. Yeah so good um and that's something i would actually recommend to people if they want to make good resin prints like you can't really tinker with it much it's kind of like a mac versus pc but i am not an engineer i don't like tinkering with stuff i mean i know yeah. how to do it if i have to but it's it's not fun i yeah definitely it's not a hobby of mine <laughs> yeah i mean definitely invest in your tools um, yeah. I think that's one of the best investments you can make. I have a, uh, a Prusa, uh, Mark III S plus, yeah. um, which is not the least expensive FDM printer out there. It's not the most expensive, but it is a workhorse. It will always yeah. print and it will always give me, I mean, I've never had a failed print on that thing. 
<laughs> that, that's funny you mention it because I, I've had a mold shell that failed five times now on that same printer. It's so been a, it's been a heat wave though. It's been a heat wave. It's been because I have a, a dinky little wardrobe with my printers and then it's been really hot in there. So uh, yesterday I, I had to uh, change the filament and I came back and it was beeping and it's just had like a big glob of like mold and plastic and I'm like, oh God. <laughs> Oh no. Um, okay, so uh, do you print in PLA, ABS, ASA? What uh, what kind of filament uh, are you using? I I print in PLA, and it's it's. I haven't really tried anything else. Um, I know I I don't sand my prints, uh, so I don't have to. I so I don't have to use like, or you know, smooth them or anything. So I don't have to use like ABS. But if I was using if I was using FDM prints for my models, I would probably um, look into um, a PLB, I forgot what it's called, but it's the one that you can smooth with like isopropyl. That's probably what I would look into. Is it PVB? Is that what it is? Or PV? Oh yeah, PVB, PVB. Yeah, PVB. Um, yeah. Yeah, like that's the, one the that I haven't poly... experimented with. I, I have experimented with ASA. Um, ASA is smoothable with acetone like PL, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. like ABS is, but it's a lot more forgiving in printing. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't have the problems with, um, you know, peeling and warping and things like that. Yeah. That ABS can have if you don't have an enclosure and an enclosed space and temperature control and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, that would be something I would be afraid of if I was using uh, ABS because some people tell me, yeah, I'll just put a cardboard box on it. I'm like, oh God, it's going to burn down. I'm, I'm too paranoid for that. And I don't really have, I don't really have like the, um, the energy to like build an enclosure. Right. Um, so I would just rather not go with that. Um, right. I know that the PVB comes with some issues too, like you probably need like a uh, dehumidifying box or something because I know that mm. the filament is really uh, sensitive to um, to moisture. But PLA, in general, seems to be one of the more forgiving ones to print. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, this is a question that came in through um, some of the, the. We've sent out a request for folks to to propose yeah. questions for you. And since you talked about texture earlier, let's talk about this one. How, what are the hardest textures to pour cleanly? Um, I would say that like the easiest thing to pour in if you want to show off a nice marble is just would just be a straight up tube. Because um, then there's like nothing to like distort because you get kind of the... Um, it's almost when like like honey falls into like a jar and you get this like folding yeah. and that's how you that's how the marbles show up. But if you have like like Ambrose, which I actually have here, if you have this model, it has like a lot of like bumps and stuff. It yeah. tends to not not show them off um, as much. And it's also harder to to recreate. Um, marbles on that model. Um, Nekken is the easiest one. That's where I do like, that's why I like to do like the ribbon marble stuff on that one because I can sort of recreate the same thing over and over. 
um, because it's just kind of just a, a straight tube almost. There's a very, very a little texture on it. There's some, you have like, you know, the, the head with like little foreskin and you have like the, the veins and, and that's it pretty much. It's just kind of, just kind of a tube. <laughs> right. Now, what about a favorite pore style? Um, obviously, it, you know, it depends on the model itself, but do you have a particular style of pore that you like? Um, I, uh, I do like playing with uh, transparency. I, I love, part of me loves using near clear, part of me hates it because you get <laughs> amazing results, but it's, it's uh, a pain in the ass to work with. Um, but anything that where I play around with like bright colors and transparencies, you can kind of see the depth in the colors. I think that's that's my favorite stuff to do. Um, I also love I also love using a lot of sparkle, <laughs> obviously. Right. Um, yeah. And I like making. I just I, I, I just like making. I just like making marbles. I think. Yeah, I I do too. Um, that's the way that those colors kind of come together and way you can play with contrast and things like that. Um, yeah. Tell me about your love hate relationship with near clear. Uh, it is, uh, it's a pain to dig as, uh, I don't know if you, if you use smooth on or not, but, um, uh, it, it turns into like a frothy mess. So, I mean, usually you have to like, Feel, um, feel the cut maybe like a third of the way, but near clear is like a fifth, maybe if that, because it just bubbles up like like dish soap, kind of. Wow, yeah, and I, it, it, yeah, it um, takes forever to degas. Gotcha. Yeah, near clear is not something that fits my aesthetic, and so I've never really mm -hmm. played with it. Um, but I have heard horror stories about folks who, their first time or two. The, the expansion when you do the vacuuming yeah surprises them. yeah um yeah it's it's not a material i would say if you're just starting out and you're kind of tempted to cades yeah, over there no. shaking <laughs> yeah i mean it's also very delicate yeah it's it's very delicate because uh, you get it like tears more easily um you gotta wait longer to pull it from the mold. Yeah, you gotta wait like a full day to, to pull it. And you gotta be more careful when you pull it. Because if you have like undercuts or stuff that catches and you pull like straight out. The sport knots. Yeah, the knots, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've gotten a lot of flops because I had like small, small tears and it's, it's not fun. It looks amazing. I love how it looks. I love to, to put like just a shit ton of, of mica in it because you can kind of see through it. It's it's so so pretty, right? But yeah. uh, it's uh, it's it's like I don't know. It requires patience. It requires patience, yeah, and and it requires experience. I think if you're just starting out doing this. I would wait to use near clear until you're more familiar with silicone in general because um pretty like this is just for smooth on because that's what we use but all the different firmnesses behave differently when you degas and when you pour and, and all that stuff so get familiar first before you start doing kind of more advanced stuff I would say 
Yeah, definitely. I I never realized when I when I first started getting into silicone, and then I started experimenting with a wide range of different brands of silicone and kind of figuring out what their their different per- properties were. You know, different viscosities versus different pour time or pot life versus um, cure time. And um, every one of them is unique. And every one of them takes some amount of experimentation to understand the materials that we're working with. Um, And it kind of brings in one of the questions that uh, somebody had asked. Uh, For someone who is an amateur and would only be interested in making one-off experiments for themselves and a partner, what is an accessible way to begin? Um, I would not buy the Clonawilly kits because I've uh, heard that they are not really super good. You usually just have like one try to go and... Mm -hmm. If it's ruined, it's ruined. And uh, I can also imagine that that trying to maintain, you you have one try to maintain like an erection and just like this cold goo. I, I think that's a pretty, <laughs> I, I think that that's a, you know, a pretty high, high fail rate. Um, so what I would do, I would probably get a couple of um, molds from Etsy or something. Uh, okay. Make sure that the platinum silicone, because if you're using, you have uh, tin cure molds and platinum silicone, it, it will not cure properly. Correct. Um, so what you could look for is molds that are for um, like squishies. Yeah, for squishies, but molds for like for like uh, chocolate stuff, because mm-hmm. uh-huh. they are usually safe most of the time. Yep. Um, I would buy that, and I would buy like. Um, I would buy a trial kit from Smooth On, or if there's like any. I know Polytech is also a brand. I have not used them myself, but and I don't know how if they come in like small, small amounts. I do know that Smooth On is like the most accessible, especially for people in the U.S. Yeah, um, um, Smooth On is kind of the go-to in the U.S. and then in the EU, it's kind of Smooth On gets expensive, and the Polytech yeah. uh, gets a little bit more affordable. If you're in the uh, in the EU, in different parts of the world, but here in the United States, Polytech is fairly expensive compared to Smooth On. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so that's uh, to 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 continue. Um, that's yeah. probably what I would do, and and get like because um, uh, we use you know cosmetic mica to color it with, which is the same thing you're using to make. Um, to make uh, uh, makeup, like mm-hmm. eye eyeshadow and the lip gloss and stuff like that. So I would get like, because you can get a couple of samples of mica in like pretty colors, and and then some some silicone and some 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 molds, and then you kind of just experiment with that until you feel kind of familiar with the material. And then I would, if they want to to make life casts, I would probably. Um, get um alginate in like a pretty big batch so so there's like room for failure i would probably get plat like a, a good high quality plaster so i could make a plaster cast at first mm. and then i would make a mold if if they're making it if they're making a replica of you know your your partner's genitals mm-hmm. um that's 
probably what I would what I would advise someone to do. And if they want to make something like you know like some some different shapes, not a life cast, I would I would get Sculpey because uh, yeah. that's that's how I started actually. I I made mine from Sculpey. Um, just be aware that they will break inside the mold when when you demold them because Sculpey is pretty delicate. Um, yeah. So all my yeah all my all my first masters are just they're toast like they yep. they just broke instantly so yeah um, and also as you know if you're working with very thick or very large uh, sculpy sculptures they do have a tendency to crack during the curing yeah. process so um, yeah those were interesting ideas um, the. Uh, Again, we'll just talk about SmoothOn because it's, it's accessible. Um, SmoothOn has AlgaSafe, which is their mm-hmm. alginate. Um, and if you're looking at a Platinum Cure silicone, you're going to be looking at like the EcoFlex or the yeah. Dragon Skin lines. They also have the Silk Pig uh, as far as like pigments. Um, if you're kind of trying to w- want to stay in that realm of SmoothOn products. Um, but like you said, getting some mica-based pigments are samples of those are real inexpensive and if you're curious you know how long those samples can last you know i use maybe a gram of pigment in yeah. in one of my pores um didn't, so, didn't smooth on recently come out with like a kit that was specifically made for that kind of thing I, I think it was like the fun the fun, the fun silicone yeah the fun silicone um, like now gotcha. you can mold body parts <laughs> like a hand wink wink yeah <laughs> wink wink yeah exactly um so yeah <laughs> I'm sorry Kate what did you say oh no, uh, it wasn't a hand it was they were like yeah you can mold a fist with this it's fun <laughs> silicone yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, give me a second here to go through the questions because we had several here and I want to combine two that were very similar. Um, is there anything you were excited to create but realized it just wasn't feasible to execute? Um, there are actually a, a lot of, a lot of things that I don't feel like I have the um, the knowledge and the energy and time to put into R&D for. And it's it's a bunch of things. It's, I would love to do like a, in the future perhaps, um, a dual density toys, um, just kind of like a very, very small batch, um, obviously uh, pricier, um, but there's a lot of R&D that goes into making those safely to make sure that they don't delam inside. Um, the second one is like a combined, um, like penetrable insertable. And I just, I haven't really spent like any energy doing like mold tech for that stuff yet, right. nor do I have like a concept that I'm like, I have to bring this to reality like right now. Gotcha. Um, yeah, you kind of touched on a question that somebody had asked. Uh, I'm trying to find it here, um, but I'm I'm overlooking it in the moment. Yeah, it was but, a it was a dual density question too. I think. Yeah, it was a dual density question. Um, 
Yeah, dual density is an interesting animal to try to to get your head around because uh, delamination is such a a, a risk. Um, I I have also thought about it. I've experimented in a couple of different ways, um, and this is where we start getting into some of the um, the the science and the physics of. Uh, pouring silicone with different densities and different firmnesses and playing with that that, uh, playing with the way that different densities of silicone interact because you know uh, density is not the same thing as firmness to start off with just so that people understand you know density has to do with um, specific gravity whereas firmness has to do with resistance to compression um and if you pour two liquids together and one is denser than the other, then one will sink through the other. And yep. that was one thing that I experimented with and playing with um, uh, do, trying to do dual, dual density. But the other one that I experimented with was more like a, a rotocasting style where mm-hmm. you do a softer silicone and then you rotate the mold and you just keep it rotating so you coat the inside until it reaches that that gel state and then you pour a second silicone behind that that is your firmer silicone um and uh, that was interesting i it i think that it could be done uh, but it might take a couple of layers on your soft side of silicone um, in order to develop that because it just it, there wasn't a very thick layer of that softer silicone yeah so um i I know that they uh uh, i know that in at least in resin you have like these roller casting like machines Mm -hmm. you just like you just just spin this thing to like make it go around until until the pulse life is is over but that that feels kind of ambitious to um to uh, put a mold on there oh my god yeah yeah it's uh it's it's pretty uh it's a pretty big project to do yeah and also i mean you could use an accelerator to uh speed up that that pot life so that you didn't have to sit there for 45 minutes cranking on that rotocaster yeah um let me go back through some of the questions this is one that i had uh this is one i love um, tell me about a time where you had no idea what you were doing. <laughs> oh my god, that's like ninety percent of the time. It feels like, uh, yeah, you just—at least for me personally—you just kind of, you just kind of push through the uh, the imposter syndrome like all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. I I feel like I when it comes to uh i i don't know i don't know i i uh i'm, I'm trying to think like when is the time that i had like no idea what the heck i was doing i mean you did that kind of with the grinder when you're trying to figure out how to get the bullet vibe in there oh yeah that's that's true i hmm. it's not jerry rig but it's like <laughs> whatever works works you know <laughs> Yeah, I think you're going to have to use a, a multi-part mold on that, wouldn't you? It actually is a one-part mold. Oh, wow. Yeah, but that that took some some figuring out, and I'm like, I 
I guess this works. Um, <laughs> I, I guess this works. I mean, it it stays in there. It's it's a hole. It's the right size. Uh, but I do have to remake it because it it was a little too too thin for my um, for for me. So, but I mean, that's kind of what you can come out with like a, a version two because it was kind of an experimental release in the first place. So that was a time I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, but, <laughs> but I, I, w- I would say that I, I, I do think I have an idea what, what I'm doing most of the time because I am like, uh, I am a, a huge uh, perfectionist um, and I am extremely, uh, I'm extremely anal about safety. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> So, now, uh, how do you deal with failure? I mean, because that's part of what we're talking about here is, you know, not knowing what you're doing, but also experimenting and pushing your boundaries. And um, no matter what you do, and as you push those boundaries, you're going to fail. And how do you deal with that yeah. failure? Um, I cry real <laughs> actual tears um, and then I have a little breakdown and I cry in the bathroom and then I just do it again <laughs> until it works yeah. and uh, I will I will I will be I will I will whine and, and bitch and moan but I will, I will still do it that's 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 kind of how it goes yeah and a lot of a lot of this is failure I would say that like People only see like the nice, like polished, like finished products you you put out. They don't see like your, you know, your your, your fifth like failed print. Yeah. They they don't they don't see you know your your messy workshop. They don't see those like nice you know, um, nice like hand painted ports you did that you spent hours <laughs> on and planned for days and they failed and now they're sitting in a box of shame now you're talking <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that's what happens yeah it's it's definitely a big part of what we do is uh, yeah. that resilience to failure and because no matter how much you plan and no matter how hard you work failures are going to happen and yeah. sometimes you can predict it and sometimes it's just experimentation and then sometimes yeah. you think you did everything perfect and then you mixed part A with part A. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually have a, um, <laughs> oh God, in my workshop I have this, I have this jar because I poured a moon orchid and one color is, is part A and part B, the other color is only A, so uh, it, it, half of it was normal the second half was like mush so i just put it in a jar so it's kind of like a wet specimen. it's kind of a wet yeah. specimen in the workshop right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm over here crying because i i have <laughs> laughing so hard i've done the same thing and um yeah the the one time that my funniest failure and i'm going to ask you this question well it sounds like that was your funniest but my funniest failure was <laughs> i experiment i was experimenting with deadeners to soften silicone mm-hmm. and i added my deadener and then added more deadener and oh. yeah i i don't know exactly how much i added but this thing came out it was almost like jello 
it was it wouldn't stand up it would fall over (laughs) it was just the floppiest flop that you could ever imagine um but yeah i've i've made tons of mistakes um uh, and this is a question I'm going to ask because I have my own opinions on it. But um, how do you deal with your flops? Do they just go into a box of shame, or do they end up in your 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 store? It actually depends. If I feel like a toy, I will usually have like kind of a three categories. One category is like a flaw that requires like no uh, extra cleaning. It might just be like. A couple of pigment freckles and usually what i'll do i'll just like mark that in the description and i will put it up for sale anyway because i have kind of a kind of a threshold if something has like two more than two um two two small freckles i will usually uh discount it a little bit and uh usually the threshold for that is like maybe two millimeters or so um so those are usually just discounted like a little bit and then I have flops that will require extra cleaning. They're still usable, but mm. they might require some extra cleaning. Um, and I frequently use, um, there is a, a silicone adhesive called Silpoxy, which is mm. also body safe, um, which I use to repair maybe small, small tears, or if there's like bubbles that are just in the surface, I will kind of pop them open and fill them with silpoxes so you don't have to... I mean, you're still going to require a bit more cleaning, but they're still uh, safe to use. And then we have flops that are, uh, to me, not safe to put in a body. I mean, I'll, I will sometimes keep them for myself because I'm... It's half of my collection. It's half of my collection. <laughs> this is my, my failures because uh, we're both kind of gremlins and we have... <laughs> I know it's safe. I don't care. <laughs> we have much higher standards for other customers than ourselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, usually they will end up either in a box um, or they will end up like in our personal collection because yeah. it just gotta maybe boil them a bit extra and they'll be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, flops are one of those categories where it's a little bit of a judgment call and yeah. you know, it, I, I know that for myself and for virtually all of the makers that I've ever talked to, um, that their standards that they put out for their customers are so high that mm-hmm. there's never any question. And yeah. as you mentioned earlier, there's so much that people don't see of the, the box of shame. Um, yeah. I have a box of flops. And um, who is it? Uh, Fantasy Grove has their shelf of shame. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's, it is something that uh, folks who are thinking about getting into this industry and that are you know on the fence of trying to figure out where they want to go with it is that oh, there's, there's so much expense in losses that mm-hmm. it's, it's something that you have to account for. Yeah. Um, one more question that we had gotten. Uh, what are your thoughts on expansion of designs versus just improving inventory or style choices for your current designs? And I think that's kind of the question of, do you go broad with your designs or do you go with very specific designs in maybe different sizes? 
Um, that is that is an interesting question. Um, ideally, I would want to go with more designs, um, but the truth is that sculpting, and maybe then you have to edit a sculpture because it will not pour right. Um, and then you have to do the printing and the post-processing and the mold making, and then you have to do the little, little uh, descriptions and size charts and promo photos and, and all that stuff that goes into making a new model. That's, it's so much work. Yeah. Um, so ideally I would love to, to release um, more products, um, but it's just like, I, um, I can only work part-time because of uh, disability. So I cannot put out as much as I want to. So I would rather focus on um, expanding expanding sizes like when, when I can, I think. Ideally, I want to make more models. Like, of course I do, because I have like, I think at least like 20, 30, 50 ideas like floating around in my head like at all times, like I want to do this and this and this and this, but you kind of have to, you kind of have to like choose which ones to make, sort of. Mm. Um, Cause you kind of have to choose like, oh, which, which ones will, you know, be good for the market right now. What What is feasible for me to make? There's, so you kind of have to, Kind of have to um, be be picky about what you are um, making into reality. I think you know you're. It reminds me of a question that um, how uh, this is kind of off the cuff. Actually, I'm going to come back to that question because I want to phrase it right in my head. Um, and one more question from the audience was: What keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? Um. I think a big part is actually seeing um, that people like my stuff. <laughs> I know, I know it sounds silly, but it's it's um, what keeps me going is is it is it's really really fun to mix colors and pour into a mold and, and pull it out and see what results you get. That's I think that's one of my favorite parts to to pull something when. I was really happy with the color combination and what I saw going into the mold was pretty. Um, and and also like just just seeing people's reactions, seeing people's comments, getting like like sometimes I will get emails from people that are really, really nice when they talk about how you know the uh, my designs make them feel seen or have helped them somehow like you know sexually that that kind of makes me feel really really good um and also uh we also have like a really big passion for safety i do you want people to have access to some safer alternatives than what is unfortunately out there and it's i mean it's your art yeah <laughs> so yeah being it's... able to share it and know that it's doing good for people is really good yeah 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 um i think one of the things that we kind of have to deal with and one of the something this question was kind of working around was dealing with burnout 
and mm-hmm. um, how do you, you know, because this is a full time job for a lot of us, and yeah, dealing with burnout is something that we have to do, um, and I, I figured out how I want to ask my question now because it took me a second to put it together. Um, how do you balance growth and your goals for your business with what you can do as opposed to uh, within your limits, I guess, is uh, how do you deal with and how do you balance your growth and your goals with the limits of what you can do based on your staffing and, and et cetera? That is, um, that is something I am actually working on on a personal level because I am, I am very prone to burnout. And as a disabled person, it's very hard for me not to, you know, compare myself to people who work full time because I work maybe 25, 50% full time because that's, that's kind of what my body can manage without too much pain and too much fatigue. Mm-hmm. So that's that's actually something I'm working on with my parents. <laughs> uh, but but it is um, it's hard because I'm I'm extremely stubborn and I want to do so much, um, but there's 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 limits to what I can do and and dealing with those limits is um, something I am trying to just kind of um, cope with over time. Um, and kind of be be nicer to myself and to to focus on long term like like long term like um, um, slow growth versus like a quick burst of it because that might burn me out really really bad. So I'm always trying to um, to kind of um, put on the brakes a little bit when stuff is going too fast and that's something I, I have to deal with and hopefully um, with K when K is going to be here like full time um, when all this like immigration nonsense is done with it's going to be easier um, for toilet migrations to, to grow a bit faster because we're going to be two people because now um, it's it's just me when 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 I'm when I'm here on my own. It's just me doing everything, and then you have to like, because um, I I I live in like a a small like rural place on my own, and I have to manage like all the chores and and everything around here too. So it's kind of a lot to to deal with on your own. So yeah, burnout is like always there around the corner, and you gotta kind of like put on the brakes even though you're excited about things and that's that's hard but uh yeah i know one of the things that i struggle with is um delegation and uh trusting the people around me to be able to do caves over there in the background (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know trusting the folks that are around me to to do what I want them to do to create based on my standards, my expectations, knowing that I'm a perfectionist and that anything that is not perfect is going to, um, I'm going to have, I'm going to have thoughts about it and I'm going to express those thoughts, which sometimes comes across as criticism. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm the same way, and and uh, yeah, Cade can attest to that because yeah. I don't let him, I don't let him trim bases because I'm, I'm such a perfectionist about no, that. that yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, but I, I have gotten better about it because yeah. I, I try to like, I used to like micromanage because I'm like, if I don't micromanage, I can do my own colors now. Yeah, he can do his own for it. <laughs> But I, I was kind of, uh, I was, I was kind of like trying to keep like this almost like impossible standard for for myself, and and it's also something you have to work with. When you, sometimes you gotta say that's good enough, and then you're gonna have to trust, you know, that that this other person is gonna is gonna do it as good as as they can. Because sometimes I've had to, um, I mean, I've had family members help out too sometimes with yeah. stuff. And um, I've had to trust that they are going to be able to do it as well. And that's, it's kind of hard letting go when, when you are, um, when it's kind of, it's kind of your, your baby almost. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's hard to let go sometimes. And that goes from, for myself too. It's, it's hard to like, it's hard to, to be like, okay, that's enough when it comes to post-processing because i want to have like a perfect like flawless yeah. master and that's that's not possible because there will be crevices where there's printer lines and you can't reach them or there will be little you know printing errors or other small things like little marks that you you can't really get to mm -hmm. and eventually you're just gonna have to be like yeah that's 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 good enough that's that's good enough for now and if people complain about it i i invite them to come over they can come sand it for, <laughs> they can come sand it for me yeah and try to do it better <laughs> yeah um george has this joke that um because she works with me in my studio doing various projects and you know there are things that i will see that the customers are never going to see that mm -hmm. um, and it may not be necessarily even something that is oh geez we're working on a project for a client and I do a lot of weird stuff sometimes but I was making um, these wooden copper awards for this company and you know the way I wanted them assembled there was no way that the client was ever going to see what was on the inside and so, you know, even though I knew that, I had it in my head as to how I wanted this to go together and how I wanted this to be assembled. And anything short of that was going to be a mistake. And mistakes have to be fixed. So Yeah, I yeah. I, I can I can relate a lot a lot to that. <laughs> Well, I am about ready to wrap it up. Um, is there anything else that is new or upcoming for you folks that you want everybody to know about? We talked about the Rido. We talked about mm -hmm. the, uh, the Keeper's Hoof. Um, is there anything else that is out there that is coming or that you want folks to know? About? Is there a drop coming up or what you got going on? Um, Kate has some stuff that he oh, would like to talk about. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my god. Uh, so I've been posting kind of sneak peeks on my Twitter 
Um, but I have been working on these little resin teenies. Um, I don't know. There so we go. cute. Uh, yeah, they're really cute. And people have been getting really excited about them. But I kind of want people to know that these are not going to be like teenies, like normal teenies. Um, I'm actually going to be turning them into jewelry. Um, specifically the uh, electroforming method. Um, okay. I don't I don't know if many people know what that is. It's um, in short, I'm growing copper around them. So yeah. kind of like like this. Oh, wow. So that's like that's twigs inside of copper. Yeah. So I'm going to be I'm going to be doing that <laughs> with these. Interesting. Little yeah, um, that's that's kind of a, a sneak peek that we we, we thought we keep here for people who listen <laughs> can hear it and then other people can can see it later mm-hmm. great yeah um i'm always interested to see how folks branch off from where they start and you know what they develop into and the processes that they they bring in um so was there anything else no, I don't think so. I was just gonna say that, like branching off, I have so many ideas on how to grow these pistols. It's just, <laughs> I will just see where where time where where, where time uh, will take me, kind of. Yeah, um, it is interesting as you kind of uh, grow into that that artistic or that creative personality that you naturally seem to want to expand and experiment in different mediums or in different uh categories etc so um but what about drops do you have any drops coming up um there's no there's no drop planned right now um because i uh, we're catching up on customs we're catching up on customs and i had some molds to remake and there's there's a bunch of stuff to sand which which is um, my very least favorite part of, of anything. I will. There are things I hate doing. Like I hate. I hate <laughs> doing listings. I hate doing photographs. I. I love it. Um, I but you can't let it, somebody but, else but, do that for you, can you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a conflict um, happening here. Yeah. <laughs> But um, sanding is the only thing I will procrastinate on because it's so boring. It does like I can put on a podcast and just kind of getting getting the groove, but I just it's so boring, it's so boring. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, Cade and B, thank you so much for dropping in with me, and um, yeah. Hopefully, we can do this as a premiere. Um, and that yeah. way we can all sit together and you know, watch, <clears throat> excuse me, watch it with the audience. And if there are questions that come up or comments along the way, maybe we can chat about them and respond to them live yeah. with folks. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, everybody say good night. Goodbye. And goodbye. we will do this again sometime. Thanks, yeah. guys. All right. So that was uh, B and Cade from Twilight Meadow Creations, and we're uh, um, we're gonna try something different with the next one. We're gonna do a uh, premiere. Now then, tonight uh, I also have Dark Path coming up, 
and they are in Australia. So we're all around the world tonight. We did Sweden this afternoon. We've got Australia tonight. And uh, then we'll probably be back in the States next weekend. And with that, I am out. And we'll do this again. Bye. Thank you.